to John chapter 13. Now, I know that we're going to have it up on the PowerPoint, but I want to encourage you uh, to open your Bibles there. Um, These are some very important moments, not only in the life of Jesus and those disciples, but I think the truths that Jesus is getting ready to present are so important to every generation of Christians. Before I read the scripture and have prayer, for months now we've been asking you to pray for our uh, associate pastor youth minister search committee. Uh, They have been busy. Uh, I know that uh, Tommy Jean, who is the chairman of that committee, has given some reports about how things were progressing. Uh, The last report was that they had gone through a process of interview and they were going into second interviews. And just want to introduce you to a young man who is here this weekend who is seeking the Lord's will as we seek the Lord's will for the person to serve here. And uh, I just want to get him to stand, Corey, not trying to embarrass you. This is Corey Wall. He is from Inman, South Carolina. And um, we've been talking, the committee has been talking with him and praying for him, and I know that he's been praying for God's will and direction in his life. And so we ask this as a very sincere prayer request that you would lead and guide and that God's will would be done in sending us the, the person, the man that God has prepared to serve here at the church. Corey, thank you for coming up this weekend. And we pray that you'll know that you've worshipped with uh, a part of your extended family, whether God leads us any farther or not, that we are all together brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray together before we read the scripture. Heavenly Father, Lord, we all want to be in your will. Lord, we want to be focused on what you want to do in and through our lives, not only as a church, but most especially individually. Father, forgive us when we give so little attention to the Word of God and and what it tells us about what you want to do in and through our life and what you've already done for us through your Son. And so, Father, I thank you that as we read these words of Jesus spoken hours before his death, that, Lord, your spirit will take these words and speak to our hearts and minds about what Jesus' death and resurrection and coming again means to us who have trusted him as their Savior. Father, just pray that in these moments that you'll not only prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, but, God, you would remind us that there are many promises yet to be realized as a child of God. Father, thank you for all that gather here this day. Lord, bless all that we do, whether it would be the worship services or Sunday school or the children and youth activities today. God, please be in our midst, and may we worship you, and may we be equipped to leave this place to serve you in a better way. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. We began this last Sunday. Let me read again the scriptures to you, beginning with John chapter 13, verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Now, we don't have this on the overhead, but folks, Simon Peter's question comes because of what Jesus has said in verse 33. Look at this, verse 33. Little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So Peter in verse 36 says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. 
And again, I encourage you to underscore, highlight that word now. But you shall follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? And then Jesus says, truly, truly. And again, I want to remind you, I, I don't think we can say this often enough. These are the words of Jesus, but when Jesus says truly, truly, or verily, verily, as the King James Version translates it, it is equivalent to what the prophets would say as they got ready to speak under the inspiration of God by saying, thus saith the Lord. Folks, what Jesus is getting ready to say right now, you can carry it to the bank. And it's sad that he had to say this to Peter, but he said, truly, truly, I say to you, the cock will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house are many rooms. And again, the King James translates that, many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. This prompts Thomas to ask a question. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am. Remember again in the Gospel of John, those I am sayings. Jesus identifying himself with the God who met with Moses at the burning bush and said, I am who I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Last Sunday, I introduced these sermons by reminding you that the first three Sundays in December, we examined the scriptures to see, can you and I believe the Christmas story? And folks, one of the reasons we found that we can believe in the Christmas story is that God always keeps his promises. As Christians, as people that are saved, that have been redeemed by the one who came 2,000 years ago, so often we need to be reminded that during his ministry, Jesus made many promises. And some of them are yet to be realized. Many of them have already been realized, but many of them are yet to come. And one example of that is the words found in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And I'll remind you again that the framework of these words, the disciples are completely bewildered and discouraged. Jesus has been talking about his death. He would be lifted up. And when he would be lifted up, he would draw all men unto himself. Peter doesn't understand, so he asks the Lord where he is going because he's afraid now. This man whom he has been with for now three years is talking about going away. And Thomas also expresses, I think, the same feelings of Peter when he says, how can we get there where you're going? They did not understand. Jesus also told them in chapter 13 that one of the twelve would betray him, and we know that man to be Judas. He also tells Peter in the words that I've read that he would disown him and deny him three times. From reading the Gospel of Luke, we know that Satan was at work against all of the disciples. Jesus said, I've prayed for you. Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that in the end you'll be strengthened. 
And he knew that Peter would be, and Peter would be the one that would really strengthen the group again. And Jesus had told them earlier in Matthew 26 that all of the disciples would fall away. But folks, last Sunday I told you, and I want to say it again, ain't God good? Isn't God our Savior good? At some of our lowest, most discouraged moments, he comes to us with promises yet to be realized. How would Jesus calm the troubled hearts of these disciples? How can Jesus calm our troubled hearts today? And Warren Wiersbe points out that Jesus gave six wonderful assurances for Christians to claim and to calm our troubled hearts. And again in your bulletin on that little insert on one side of it is six assurances and promises from John 14 we can claim to keep our hearts from being troubled as a believer. And folks, again, I want to point this out. This is, this is from Warren Wiersbe, and you know how I feel about him as one, I think, one of the great Bible scholars of our day. And folks, I'd never really looked at John 14 in this way until seeing this little outline. And, and again, I want you to take this and I, I encourage you in your personal time to sit down and read the Word of God and read what Jesus says. And practically this entire passage except for the questions of Peter and Thomas and Philip and a note by John about which Judas it is that Jesus is speaking to or about, all of these words are the words of our Lord. And folks, again, let me just break this down as Warren Wiersbe does. The first thing that Jesus says, an assurance and promise, we're going to heaven. And folks, I want want you to hear this, and I cannot emphasize this enough. This is the words of Jesus Christ himself. And in chapter 13, verse 36 to 14, 6, Jesus says, those who trust him will go to heaven. In verse 7 through 11, we can know the Father right now. Did you know that? Every single one of us can know the Father through the Son. The third thing, we have the privilege of prayer. Folks, I want to tell you, I've read this chapter many times before, but this little simple outline is, is just so dramatic. Go through again and read this. It is so simple and plain. Jesus also promised, and these, you know, I I meant to mention this first promise that we're going to heaven. That's the only one that that we can't experience yet. All these other five we are experiencing now if we're following the Lord. We have the Holy Spirit, number 4, verses 16, 17, and 18. We have the Father's love, verse 19 to 24. And we have the peace of Christ in verses 25 to 31. But first, let's, let's get back to this, this, this first promise. These words, again, from the very lips of Jesus, we're going to heaven. Folks, those who have trusted Christ as their personal Savior from sin are going to heaven. And this is what Jesus said. And folks, listen to this. Do you believe in heaven and hell? Is there life after death? There's a lot of people that are discussing that right now, not, I think, from the Christian perspective not from the perspective of the Word of God or from the words of Jesus. And folks, did Jesus promise that he would live again and that you and I would live again? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. Look at John 14, verse 19, and it's going to be on the PowerPoint, and let me find those words right here. Okay, listen to this. 
Jesus says, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And folks, just think about that. Just digest that in your mind for just a second. Jesus said, The world will not see me, but you will see me. Possibly he's talking about those 40 days after his resurrection that Luke describes in Acts chapter 1. For 40 days, Jesus was with his disciples before he ascended back into heaven. This is a promise from the Lord that they would see him, and they did. And folks, don't you and I see the Lord every day? Don't we in creation itself? You know, and this is not a a, a bragging statement. If you're a visitor here, I see the living Lord in many of you on a day-to-day basis. And I thank God for that. Now, sometimes I see something else just as you see something else in me. But, folks, my point is Jesus Christ is alive and he lives in and through us and through the church. But, folks, listen to what he says in that last phrase, because I live, you will live also. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, then we would have no hope. But guess what? The Gospels uh, document how the Lord Jesus, risen from the dead by the power of God the Father, lived with his disciples for 40 days, then ascended back into heaven. And the angel said, he's coming back, and I'm getting ahead of myself. But Jesus says that too in this passage of Scripture. I will come again and take you to where I am. Folks, listen. This is such a beautiful passage of Scripture. Folks, listen. Because we believe in the Christmas story, why don't we believe in heaven? And I believe, honest to goodness, it worries me sometimes about some people, and and I'm not trying to be critical. Either you're saved or you're lost. Either you're bound to heaven or you're bound to hell. I mean, that's just as straight and simple as it can be. But Jesus here is promising a place for us in heaven. And let me remind you again, some of the verses we studied about the Christmas story, Matthew 1, 21, Jesus came to what? To save his people from their sins. Folks, did Jesus believe in heaven? Well, let me point some things out. Jesus never said, I hope to go to heaven when I die. Listen to some of the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. If you were at the 11 o'clock service last week, I think we got into some of these last week. But let me just read some of these from the Gospel of John. Listen to this. And again, I hope that you'll mark your Bibles. John chapter 8, verse 14. Jesus here is speaking to the Pharisees who do not and will not believe that he is the Son of God. And they're questioning his testimony. And listen to what he says. Jesus answered, If I do bear witness to myself, my testimony is true. And look at this next phrase. For I know whence I have come and whither I am going. You know what? Let's put that in South Carolina English. I came from heaven and I know I'm going back. And folks, he does. But he knew that he had come from the Father and he would go back to the Father. But Jesus says, you do not know whence I came or whether I'm going because of their disbelief in him. And folks, one of the first things I think that happens in our hearts and minds when we trust Christ as our Savior is the assurance that our sins have been washed away, our relationship with God has been restored, and that God wants us to live with him forever in heaven. 
And I've told you this before, but I couldn't understand as a 16-year-old person how I knew that I was going to go to hell when I died if something didn't change. And that change came the day that I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me and come into my heart and be my Savior. Jesus knew where he'd come from and where he was going. And I think in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, the words that I've read, Jesus has his mission statement about his death. His death is a time of preparation for us. He would go to heaven again and prepare a place for us. But I think some of the most profound words of the Lord are found in in John chapter 17, and this is a prayer that Jesus prays before he is taken to be tried and to be crucified. Listen to the first five verses in John chapter 17 and follow these on the screen. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee, since thou hast given him power over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom thou hast given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know the one, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, these are sermons in all of these verses. But folks, this concept that there are many gods and there are many ways to get to God is an absolute lie from Satan himself because there is only one true God. And his son said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Folks, am I trying to make us better than anybody else? Absolutely not. But I'm trying to point something out. There's only one way to know the Father's love, and that is through the Son. But listen to what Jesus says, verse 4, I glorified thee on earth, having accomplished the work which thou gavest me to do, and now, Father. Now look closely at verse 5. And now, Father, glorify thou me in thine own presence with the glory which I had with thee before the world was made. I want to tell you something. Either Jesus was a dreamer or a liar or the Son of God. Glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was made. Folks, do you get what Jesus is trying to say? Before the worlds were ever made, Jesus was in heaven with the Father. And he had the glory of the Father as the Son of God. Let me tell you how John describes that in the first three verses of John chapter 1. Listen to this, if you'll go to the next one, D. Thank you. In the beginning. You remember that's the way the Bible begins in Genesis? In the beginning. Before anything existed except God and his Son... In the beginning was the Word. Now, who is John speaking of? He's speaking of Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Folks, do you and I realize that what John saw in Jesus was that Jesus was with the Father before the worlds were ever created? And that after his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead and being with the disciples, that he would go back to heaven to be with the Father until the Father sends him back again. 
And folks, there's one of the most astounding verses, I think, in Scripture in that first chapter of John, verse 14. Listen to this. And the Word, again, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And it doesn't stop there. He was full of grace and truth. We have beheld His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. We've talked about this before. What was John speaking of this glory? We have beheld His glory. If Jesus was a lowly carpenter and carpenter's son, if he was a pauper, if he was rejected and scorned by men, what type of glory could John be speaking about? Well, you remember, and I want to document this, Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9, Peter, James, and John are with the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration. And for a moment... Jesus was given his heavenly glory. And Peter gets so excited when he sees Moses and Elijah there too. He says, let's make markers here to to represent that we've seen these three men here. And, And God speaks and says, this is my beloved son. Folks, these guys knew that this was more than a man. And the promises that he made, he kept. And folks, in a world that is beginning, it seems, to doubt more and more of the truth revealed in the Word of God. And I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to believe the Savior. These are His words. I'm just telling them and reading them to you. But folks, there is truth. A couple of weeks ago, and and it's time for me to close, but a couple of weeks ago, The Awanas, and and if you have a young child, I encourage you to let them get involved in Awanas. It's amazing what children can learn. But the verse that week was was John 17, 17, I believe. So I I need to go to Awanas. John 17, 17. And a little three-year-old child can quote this, Thy word is truth. And that's out of that prayer that Jesus prays in John 17. Thank you, Dee, for bringing that up. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Whatever God says, whatever his son says, it is truth. And the son says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I hope you'll study this passage of Scripture. I think it's verse 23. It's verse 23. Listen to this. Jesus answers and says, If a man loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. And I've not noticed till this past week, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, a home for you in heaven. But also, while we're living on this earth, the Father and the Son, through the Holy Spirit, will make his home in us. Think about that for just a little while. We will never be abandoned. These disciples thought Jesus is going away. We're going to be left here by ourselves. Wrong answer. We are not. God's Holy Spirit given to dwell in us is the guarantee that these promises that Jesus made will all come true. And one day we'll be in heaven with him. Folks, this is just not a bunch of religious talk. This is a promise of the Son of God. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you for the promises that are yet to be realized. I thank you, Father, that in your Son who gave himself for us, we can receive eternal life and we can know you and know that you'll make your home in our hearts as we live this life and one day welcome us to heaven. Father, I pray today that as we have a hymn of decision, if there are people whose hearts that you've been working in, Lord, that if you've been drawing them unto yourself, that they will humbly pray and ask your Son to come into their heart and be their Savior, believing that he is the Son of God and he is the one, the only one, who can give them peace with God. Father, I thank you that you work with each one of us. Lord, perhaps there are Christians here that don't have assurance of their salvation. They remember a time in which they walked forward in the church and even were baptized, but they don't have that assurance. Father, I pray that you would either lead them to trust your Son as Savior or give them the assurance that they are saved. Not by my word, but by the words of your Son, and the promises that he died for them, for us, and that he will save us if we call upon his name. Father, have your way and your will in these moments of decision. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn is number 435, Just As I Am. If the Lord is leading you to come, would you come? If he's not, please don't. But if God is leading you to make a public decision for him, if God is leading you to come to the altar and pray, Whatever your needs are today, would you come? Let us stand.